Well, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad you're joining us if this is your first church experience in a long time or the first time ever. And if you're new or relatively new, we have a gift to thank you for being with us today. Simply text the word WELCOME to 410-216-5534 and we will send you that gift. And if you're here in the sanctuary, you can just simply stop by the welcome desk out in the concourse and we'll give it to you there. We are in the third week of a series we are calling Home Field Advantage. And we've called the series by this title is because we believe that it's when we gather here together and, and gather online that we can make the most compelling case uh, for, for God, that God loved the world and gave us his son, the most compelling case for Christ and the power and the value of Christian community. That it's in gathering together and bringing together all our ministry teams from our parking ministers, our greeter ministers, host hospitality or host ministers in here, uh, cafe ministers, welcome desk ministers. We're so glad to welcome back our children's ministers uh, this weekend and um, chat hosts and tech team and all of us are coming together to make a compelling case for people who are disconnected to Christ and his church, for the, that God lo- so loved the world, he gave his only beloved son, and there is a power and a value to Christian community. So through the course of the series, we are working to increase our sense of responsibility for people who are not connected to Christ in this church or not connected to God or are far from God. So a couple of uh, action steps we've encouraged you to take so far. Number one is just to be praying for one person, one person who you know is not connected to Christ in this church. They would come into a relationship with God through our parish. Uh, second, last week we gave out these um, magnets. I had a great response. So many of you took them home. And what we had asked you to do, just as a reminder, was to put them on the back of your car. And when you went through a drive-through, to pay for the person behind you. We, we hope that the person would see, would see this sticker, would see this magnet, and begin to get a good impression of nativity and maybe create a buzz. But again, we said last week it was mostly about us increasing our sense of responsibility. So if you did it last week, great job. Go ahead and do it again. Keep, keep doing it a few more times. Uh, do it again this week. If you didn't do it, that's all right. Go out and do it this week. And if you didn't get a magnet, uh, you can text the word SHARE to 410-216-5534. We're out of them right now, but we're getting more in, and we actually have some stickers, so we'll get you something there. Uh, as you listen to the message today, kind of, I'm going to give you the action ahead of time, or at least something to be thinking about. Maybe be thinking about who, who you could send this message to. Now, maybe we want to judge the message first, but as you're listening, say, uh, who is somebody maybe that needs to hear this today? And you can either encourage them to come and join us later online or to uh, send the message itself. So through the course of the series, we are looking at Luke 15. And in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables about someone or something that is lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and now we get to the parable of the prodigal son. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at this parable because it's so rich and so, so deep. So we're going to jump in, and here's what Jesus says. Then he said, a man had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. So we have three characters introduced right at the beginning of this. We have a younger son or younger brother, a father, and an older son or older brother. And in, in, there's three different acts. And in each of these three acts, it, one of the, these characters drives the action. The, the younger son drives the action in the first act. The father drives the action in the second act. And the older brother or older son drives it in the third act. So here the younger son drives the action by coming to his father and saying, give me my share of the estate that should come to me. In other words, he says to his father, father, you are dead to me. 
All I want from you is your money. Now, this is incredibly shocking. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we hear this parable. You might have heard this parable so many times. You, it, it might, that shocking nature of that might have worn off. This would be like, again, if you're a parent, can you imagine your son or daughter coming to you and saying, I don't want a relationship with you. All I want is your money. So you're dead to me. Just give me whatever money you're going to give me when, when you die, whatever inheritance, and I'll take it right now. Teenagers, students, can you imagine your parent coming up to you and saying, I wish you were never born. I think of all the money I've had to spend on you for, for food and clothing and to educate you, and I, I wish I just had the money and not you. It'd be like a friend coming up to you and saying, you know, I don't really like you. I just like that you get me into parties or in, in events or you get tickets, you have tickets to the to season tickets or that you let me use your car, your stuff, whatever. It's someone saying, I, I don't like you, but I just want to use you. I want your stuff. That's what the father hears from his son. That's what the son says to his father. And it's shocking. And what's even more shocking is the father gives in to the son's demand. Why is that? Well, this week, we are just looking at the story from, from the younger son's perspective. Daniel's going to talk about that more next week. So it continues. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squanders his inheritance on a life of dissipation. In an economy of words, Jesus describes so much here, doesn't he? He says, after a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings. So a few days are passing, and he's, he's got the U-Haul truck out front, and he's, he's gathering all his stuff and getting it together and putting it in the truck. Okay, maybe not a U-Haul truck, but, you know, a donkey and a cart. He's getting that all together, and, and over this time, he has an opportunity to rethink his decision, but he still goes forward with it and says he set off to a distant country. He goes as far, far, far away from the Father as he possibly can. He gets as far away as he can imagine. And maybe for some of you, you, you associate with that. You got away from your family, or you, you went as far away from the church and God as you possibly could go. There he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. So this little punk who thought he was so smart and could do so much better apart from his father, in an instant, he squanders his money on parties and prostitutes, drinking and drugs. It's just gone. Continues. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in need. So he goes from bad to worse. Now, not only is he broke, he has no money, now there's no job opportunities. Because there's a severe famine in the land. There's, there's nowhere to go and get a job. There's no government assistance. So he found himself in need. And at this point, maybe he, he could have thought, maybe I can go back to my home. But no, there's no way I can do that. If I go back there, I got to be ashamed before my father. I got to be ashamed before my self-righteous older brother. And I got to feel ashamed of the community. Because, of course, everybody in the town now knows what I have done. So finding himself in need... He comes up with a plan to save himself, we're told. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him anything. 
So now this Jewish young man, think about it. The Jewish people, they did not eat pork. They do not eat pork. It's, it's considered the most filthiest of unclean animals. And now this just Jewish young man, he not only is, is, he's not eating pork, but he has to tend to the swine. He has to be with them in the, in the mud and the, in the guck and the, and, the, and, the, and the dirt. And he's with the, he has to tend to the swine. And even that... He longs to eat the pods on which the swine fed. The swine, the pigs, they have full bellies. The prodigal is starving and is hungry. He envies the pigs. He's reduced to wishing he was a pig. Now remember who Jesus is talking to here. The primary audience is the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees, we get to this point of the stories, the Pharisees, and they, they hear what's happened to the prodigal son who has rejected God, the, the father and, and been dis, so disrespectful to him, and the Pharisees are thinking, good, that's what he deserves. That's what he should get for the way he treated his father. And you know what Jesus is thinking? Guys, I agree with you. I, I, I totally agree with you. You turn your back on God, and the wages of sin is death. He says, I, I am not going light on sin. I am not Catholic light. I agree with you that sin is a dead end. I agree with you that you walk away from God and the wisdom of his word and the wisdom of what he teaches, and you will find yourself hungry and a deep level of your soul. It's like the words from the, the offertory song, Graves into Garden. I search the world. And it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. We have a God-shaped hole. And nothing of this earth can fill it. And I would say we have a, a desire to be part of God's family and to connect with other members of God's family in his church. And nothing else can fill it. And so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, Pharisees, I agree with you about what happens when you turn your back on God. I do not disagree with you. And the tax collectors and sinners who are also listening at this point, because again, they're the secondary audience, I think they're thinking, you know, Jesus, you're right. I can't, I can't debate with you. I've tried to get all, searching all these other things out to, shape, to fill that hole in my heart for God and nothing else can fill it. I am hungry. And in fact, the tax collectors and sinners are saying, Jesus, this is why we're attracted to you. Because you seem to offer a relationship with God or a way back to God, something we have never, in a way we have never heard before, that we didn't even think was available to us. So the prodigal, he's hungry. And then these four words, coming to his senses, coming to his senses, things begin to turn around for him. He's like, this is stupid, why am I here? He says, coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So here's the prodigal's plan. His plan is to go back to his father but he wants, he, and he wants to work the farm or work the estate. Now, in that time, in that culture, in the parable that Jesus is telling here, there were three different tiers of people on an estate. The highest tier would have been the family. 
The second tier would have been the hired workers, and the third tier were the um, servants. The hired workers had some kind of skill or ability that was needed for the, for the estate. And so while servants would just be paid with, uh, in, in food and shelter, the hired workers, were, these craftsmen, were, had food and shelter on the estate, but were also paid some money. So the prodigal's plan is to kind of buy his way back into the family. He still thinks he has to earn his way back into the family. So he's going to work the land as a hired worker and pay back his father for what he has done wrong, for, for, for his sins. So that is his plan. And so he got up and went back to his father. Now, in, in Catholic thinking, we talk about um, two different kinds of contrition or sorrow. And there is perfect contrition and imperfect contrition. Perfect contrition is when you're sorry because you have broken the relationship. You've broken the relationship with God and you've, 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 hurt, you've, you've offended God or you've hurt others through your actions. That's not the type of contrition the prodigal has. He has imperfect contrition. He's, what is imperfect contrition? Imperfect contrition is you're sorry you got caught. Imperfect contrition is you're sorry that you are in pain. But you know what? That was better than the third option the prodigal had. Because the third option the prodigal could have had was been to stay um, in, 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 in the hunger and said, you know what? I'm not going back to my father. He's such a jerk. I'm not going back to that self-righteous brother. He could have just stayed where he was. We're not going, and not been contrite at all. But he has imperfect contrition. So he goes back to the Father. Do not allow imperfect contrition or not having the purest of motives to keep you from going back to God. God wants you coming back to him. A few months ago, I was harboring a grudge with somebody in my family and I could feel it on me. And I, I was holding on to it and holding on to it and I knew it was painful. I knew I needed to pray, but I thought to myself, you can't pray the grudge you're holding and how you're acting right now. I was, I was holding that. And then I, I thought about this verse. The son goes back to the father, even with this imperfect contrition. So do not let, wait till you have the purest of motives to go back to the father. So he goes back. And the whole way he's rehearsing his speech, right? He's trying to say the words in, in just the exact way so it'll resonate with his father, it'll get through to his father. He says, you know, maybe he's saying, I'll, I'll emphasize father, father. Or I'll say, I have sinned against you. I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize that part. Or I no longer deserve your, your son. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put the emphasis on that. He's practicing his speech the whole way back While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, braced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I no longer deserve to be called your son. You see, when the son gets to the father and sees that he runs out to him, sees his compassion, he says the same words. He still says, I've sinned against you and against heaven, but it's changed now. Now he's overwhelmed by the grace of the father. And all he's saying, he's not trying to convince the father to let him back. He's just simply stating the fact. 
and that imperfect contrition, that sorrow that was just because I got caught turns into perfect sorrow. Father, I sinned against you. It is the grace and the love of the Father that transforms the Son, the prodigal Son. It's the grace and love of the Father that transforms him, and so he throws himself at the mercy and compassion and the love of his Father, and how does the Father respond? But his Father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and he came to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. And Daniel's going to pick that up next week and go into the depth and the richness of all the father does for the son. Stories just emotional, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you hear this story, it resonates deeply with our hearts and our souls. I mean, the, the, the depth of it is, is amazing. Why is that? Well, I, I think because in our heart of hearts, we all know we've been prodigals, that we have turned our back on God in some way, shape, or form. And you might associate with the prodigal in, in, in one way or another. Maybe for you, it is you associate with the prodigal because you kind of feel like the prodigal. You, you go to church for a while, but then when things are good, you stop going to church, and then, you, then, then problems come up, and you go back, and you feel like, yeah, I'm only going to God when I have a problem or a need, or maybe that's the way you pray. You only pray when there's a problem, but when things are good, you totally forget prayer, and so you feel like a prodigal because of that. Maybe you can feel like the prodigal because... You associate with that time or season of your life or a season of dissipation or even now, you, you know, you struggle with, with drinking or drugs or you, you had that time where you're partying so hard or using, abusing yourself or others and, and you associate with the prodigal because of that. Maybe it's money. Like the prodigal, you did something you're not really proud of for money or you're in a, in a business or a work you have done and, and, and you, you wish you hadn't done it. Or maybe you blew a bunch of money. You spent a whole lot of money to impress people you didn't even like with people you impressed people you didn't even like with money you didn't even had. You borrowed yourself into deep, deep debt, and you associate with the prodigal because of that. Maybe it's not even anything you've ever done, but you were tempted to do, and you know what? If the circumstances had been right, you would have done it. Whatever it is, we can associate with the prodigal. We know we've turned our back on God. And a healthy church, I think, is a community of people who understand that and who also understand the compassion and love and the embracing of our Heavenly Father and who have experienced that and have felt that compassion and are so aware of our need for His grace and His mercy and have experienced that grace and mercy. And out of that that awareness, out of that knowledge, out of that understanding, we long to share that with the world. That we want every single person to know the grace, the love, the compassion of their Heavenly Father. That's why we share our faith. Now let me speak for a moment for anyone that's watching today or because someone sent you this message and you haven't been to church in a long time or you ran away from church or you would say, yeah, I am disconnected from God, I am, I am unconnected to Christ, I've ran far away or I've definitely walked away and I'm not connected. I just want to say this to you today. 
that your heavenly father today invites you into his embrace. That this church, we want to be a reflection of our heavenly father. We embrace you. We invite you to come in and be a part of this church, which is God's family, because that's what God wants for you, to be part of his family. We embrace you to be a part of this family. And it doesn't matter where you are or where you've been, God invites you into a relationship with him and his church. This past week, a friend of mine was inviting his son to come to Nativity. And his son, because of his lifestyle, he asked, well, will I be an intrusion there? I thought that was such a humble question. Let me just answer to anyone who's maybe thinking that. Maybe you think because of lifestyle or choices or things you've done or whatever reason is, you wonder, would I be an intrusion if I came and became connected at this parish? The answer is no. You are welcome, no matter who you are, because our heart, our heart as a parish, again, is to reflect the heart of our Father who embraces his sons and daughters when they come back home to him. And we're, we're not perfect. We are certainly have a lot of flaws at our parish, but to the best of our ability, ability our heart is to be the embracing and, sh- and share the embracing of the Father. And every week, we, this is meant to be a celebration. Mass should be a celebration with the, with, the, with the music and with hospitality and food and food of embracing as prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home to their father. And we celebrate and we rejoice in that. So today, maybe it's your day to put a stake in the ground. To say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the Father, and I don't know all it means, but I, I want to know the embrace of the Father. I long to, to, to come back to God because I know the world cannot fill me. I, I long for Christian community. I long to be part of his family, which is the church, as messy as it is. So I invite you to pray with me. Father, like the prodigal, I've sinned against you. I do not deserve to be called your son your daughter. I do not deserve to be called your child, but Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I believe these words that you embrace me right now. So Father, I receive your grace, your love, your compassion, and I throw myself upon your mercy. And I now step back into a relationship with you and your family. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.